at a time when change is constant and we are pulled in far too many directions. We need a way to stay present to life and to increase our ability to remain calm, think clearly, and maintain our well-being. Many studies indicate mindfulness improves our mental, emotional, and physical health. On a mindful moment with Teresa McKee, you can learn how to practice mindfulness and enjoy its many benefits. Tune in for guided meditations and to hear tips and advice from some of the most respected experts in the fields of mental health and mindfulness. The world truly can be a better place. It all starts with a mindful moment. What was the book? Man, what's the... Now I'm blanking on it. The author... Um, you really enjoy her a long series of novels that take place in a small um, Canadian city. That would be Louise Penny. Hey readers, I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, episode 119. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Readers, I want to share a quick message I got from a reader. Jill says, Anne, I was listening to your podcast yesterday and you recommended Castle of Water. Wow, is all I can say. I went to my library and they had a copy. I started reading it as soon as I got home and finished it in one sitting. I loved it so much and think it will become one of my top 10 of all time. Thank you for always adding to my TBR list. Jill is referencing a book I recommended in episode 114 with Jamie Golden, so go back and listen if you missed that one. We love it here at What Should I Read Next headquarters when you get in touch with us about your reading life. The easiest way to do it is just to hit reply to our weekly email newsletter. To get on the list, sign up at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash newsletter. It's free and easy, and then you'll always be in the know. Today's guest is a working mom and advisor at her local university, and she has a really unique goal for her 2018 reading life that I cannot wait for you to hear about. Carly Friedman has a penchant for nonfiction titles, and she recently took up a love affair with audiobooks. Today, we're covering nonfiction titles for people who love to learn, novels with a strong sense of place and time, what moves a book from your bookshelf to your bedside table, and how reading a book is like going on a date. Let's get to it. Carly, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, well, it's my pleasure. And I can't wait to talk to you about your reading life. Because when we got your submission, and readers, if you're interested, that's at what should I read next podcast.com slash guest. I was so excited to read what an amazing reading year you had in 2017. It was a really amazing reading year. It was very different from how it had been the past few years. So it was great. Well, that is always good to hear that something has changed in a person's yes. life that turns their reading life from kind of blah to, I think you used the word amazing. Could you? It was amazing. <laughs> that makes me so happy. Can you tell me more about your reading life and what happened in 2017? So I have always loved reading, but uh, I have a very busy life. My husband is a doctor. Um, and I have two children who are now seven and two years old. And so I, as much as I loved reading, I just did not have a whole lot of time for it. And then I right. found... So for people who don't 
live that life. I'm in a, we have a big medical community here in Louisville. Mm-hmm. In fact, mm-hmm. I just finished a book that was set like half in Charlotte and half in Louisville, Kentucky during med school and with the, the medical, um, setting here. And so that's fresh in my mind, but I have a lot of friends who were either here for medical training themselves or whose spouses did medical training. And what it basically meant, if you are not the one actually, you know, scrubbing up every day is that you are the default parent because the other one cannot be relied on because they just never know where they're going to be when, and they're always sleep deprived. And I understand that he's not training anymore, but I would imagine that you still are, um, need to be ready to go many hours of the day, just in case. Yes, exactly. For example, yesterday, I got a text from him about 1pm that he had a surgery at 4pm, which we both knew meant 5pm. So I was in charge of getting all the kids and doing all of the bedtime and dinner stuff. So yes, and that is reading your book in your bathtub or anything like that. No, not so much. Not so much. Um, so, and and I work full time, so not a whole lot of time to do for fun reading. Um, but then a few things changed. I found your podcast, which got me excited to learn about all these new books. Um, I found Goodreads, which I love making notes. And I love the whole structure of Goodreads. So being able to make a, a to-be-read list on Goodreads really helped. And I also found uh, audiobooks. I'd always been a big snob, and as <laughs> I still love the smell of books and holding a book and the feel of a book. With an audiobook, I can listen to it as I'm driving to and from work. I can listen to it on um, as I'm making dinner. I can make listen to it as I'm folding laundry. I can listen to it. Sometimes when I'm at the park with my kids, I'm that awful parent who's distracted doing something else. Um, And so all of those things really uh, increased the amount of reading I was able to get done and how excited I was by it. Yeah. You said you resisted audiobooks for a long time. Oh, I so did. Again, I was the the snob who I'm not going to read it on a Kindle or or listen to it on an audiobook. I have to have the real book. Well, what what changed your mind? I was talking about a book I had read with um, a neighbor that we had over for dinner, and she said, "Oh, I listened to that as an audiobook." And I said, "Really? How was it?" She said, "It was great. The narrator's voice was wonderful." I was like, "Well." You know, and I don't know about audiobooks. And she showed me an app on my phone that um, called Overdrive that I can get audiobooks for free from our library. Mm. Free is nice. Um, so I tried it out, and I can't remember the f- first audiobook I listened to. You know, but, I was going to ask you that. Oh, man. I, <laughs> I should know what the first one was. But the first few, I must have gotten really lucky and had great narrators. Um, and it, I just fell in love with it. And the fact that I can do it all the time, um, people always ask because I'm, if they're my friend on Goodreads or I'm always posting about it on Facebook, how are you reading so many books? And, you know, I can go through two or three a week. It's because I'm listening to a, an audiobook literally all the time. <laughs> And so I decided in 2000, you know, towards the end of 2016, that 
to make things even more exciting, I would set a reading challenge for myself of reading at least one biography, autobiography, or memoir a month. So I could, you know, learn at le- about at least 12 other interesting, fascinating people uh, in the coming year. That's a very specific <laughs> personal challenge. What inspired you to choose those genres? I think. You know, one of the things I love about books is the ability to travel to a different place and time and and really become someone else for a little bit. Um, And so I think that was what encouraged that of learning about, I love learning about people. I have a degree in psychology, actually, so I just love learning about people. Um, And so it was somewhat random, but that was my um, underlying motivation for mm-hmm. that. Did you find some good ones? Oh my goodness. So my goal was 12. I ended up reading 36. Wow. <laughs> yes. And I have somewhat of a broad definition. It could be a autobiography, biography, memoir. Um, I included some books like, uh, the boys in the boat. Um, because they did really go into depth about, uh, you know, at least one person, um, even if they were talking about a wider topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I learned, you know, they had a lot of biographical information. I also included books like that. What were some standouts? Oh, so many good ones. One of them that was so good that it's in my three books I love was The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. Mm-hmm. Um, so good. I loved uh, Sherman Alexie's You Don't Have to Say You Love Me, um, his memoir mostly about his mother. Um, I, th- I think that's actually waiting for me at the library right now. I've been oh, a little scared of it because I hear it's heartbreaking, but also really, really beautiful and well-written. It is incredibly well-written, and I'm not a huge poetry person, um, and he has poems interspersed with, uh, you know, kind of his short chapters. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, and it was such a creative format, and the poems really did a fantastic job of talking to, you know, touching on what he had been talking about in his relationship with his mother in such a neat way. I loved it. Um Another memoir, uh, Haruki Marakami, mm-hmm. what I talk about when I talk about running, yeah. um, which I am not a runner, um, but again, the his writing style in that book was so cool. And then kind of more traditional ones, Trevor Noah's Born, Born mm-hmm. a Crime, um, learned so much. I love books like that um, and Boys in the Boat. Um, and another standout was Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those, I not only learned about these fascinating people, um, but also kind of the wider, um, you know, I got immersed in a different topic. So Steve Jobs, that book had so much information about technology and that period in history when you know, he was making this brand so much about design and art and, um, you know, with Trevor Noah's book, learned so much about that period of African history. Yeah, just loved those. And then, you know, those were all pretty 
common ones, but there were some that I really enjoyed that I hadn't heard much about. So Scott Kelly's book, uh, Endurance, A Year in Space, A Lifetime of Discovery, um, got to learn all about being an astronaut, which I knew nothing about. A Thousand Naked Strangers by Kevin Hazard, which I, I don't even know how I found this one. <laughs> Um, but he it was a paramedic and, you know, my husband being a doctor, many people in my family are medical professionals. So learning about a paramedic's life was fascinating. I could go on and on for many hours about all the one, great ones I read. Well, that's a good sign. Yes. But you didn't keep the same challenge in 2018. You want to try something new for this year. Yes. Yeah, so when when people would hear that I love reading, that I really consider that um, big part of who I am, they'd say, oh, who are your favorite authors? And I did not have a good answer for that. I would usually fall back on authors that I had read as a teenager or young adult. So Toni Morrison, Zora Neale Hurston, um, Ray Bradbury, John Steinbeck, but nothing, I didn't feel like I had anything really original to add to that. Um, so in 2018, I decided to pick one author each month and read everything I could by them, really immerse myself in their writing style and their learn about them as well. Um, so I could have kind of a better answer to that question. And you know, really get in deep um, to an author and what they are writing. Um, and so I have a few, I have about six authors that I know I'm going to do, um, but definitely open and hopefully we'll get suggestions on other authors I should look into. And I have some guidelines. I want someone who has written at least four or five books um, because, you know, I want to have enough to read over that month. And I wanted a pretty wide variety of males and females and people of uh, different backgrounds um, as well. Who do you know is on your list for 2018? So my January author is Chimamandi Ngozi DGA. Mm-hmm. And I've already uh, read a, mostly her nonfiction um, kind of feminist books. Um, so I wanted to read her. So, for example, We Should All Be Feminists and loved it. So I am reading her novels. I, so far, I have read The Thing Around Your Neck, which is a series of short stories, and absolutely loved it. And right now, I am reading hard copy of Purple Hibiscus and listening to the audiobook of Half of a Yellow Sun and trying to get through both of those so I can get to Americana before this uh, before the month is over. But Half of a Yellow Sun is pretty thick. Um, she does not, well, I was going to say she doesn't write skinny ones except for the ones you, like We Should All Be Feminists and mm-hmm. um, Dear Ijewale are, are both adorable little books that really take a punch. Yes. That's a great way to put it. But I'm rooting for you to have time for Americana. I I think I'll be able to pull it off. I'm hoping. Excellent. So 
you know, so she's a given because that's already happening. Who else do you know you want to read more of in 2018? I can't wait for February because Neil Gaiman is my going to be February. That's fun. Uh, Yes. Uh, Kind of a change, but I loved a lot of his books. And so definitely looking forward to reading some more by him. Um, I know I want to read more by Haruki Murakami. Mm-hmm. Um, Barbara King Sauber, I've only read a couple of hers, and um, are actually maybe just Flight Behavior, which I loved. That was an audiobook that that was one of my first and really, really enjoyed. Um, and then kind of a, another big change, I had to, for a different reading challenge, read a mystery. So I picked up an Agatha Christie book Mm -hmm. and I'd never, actually never read Agatha Christie and just adored it. Um, So I want to, that's one that I really want to, I love her writing style and would love to read a whole series of novels by her and just get lost in, in her writing. Yeah, that, she could keep you busy for a long time. Yes, yes. And then I have some maybes. Um, I uh, probably half the books I read are nonfiction. I don't have any nonfiction authors on my list yet. So maybe Bill Bryson. Mm-hmm. I haven't read anything by him, but I've heard good things. Um, and then I have some of my old favorites that I might want to go back and read more of their stuff. Margaret Atwood, uh, John Steinbeck, Zora Neale Hurston. Uh, Tony Morrison, Maya Angelou. So those are maybes, but um, very open to other ideas. Okay. Okay, we will, uh, we'll see what we can do. I like your challenge, and I can't wait to hear how that goes for you in 2018. I am very excited. Okay, Carly, you had a theory that you wrote in your submission, and I would love to hear you unpack it now that we're talking. Mm-hmm. You said that books were like dates to you. Yes. Could you tell me more about that? So it feels like a date because you spend a short amount of time with a book, and it, it kind of feels like you're getting to know a person Uh, And you don't know at the beginning of the date if it's going to go well or not. There may be some promising signs. Sometimes you know that first page, though, that it's going to be such a great date. You immediately click or make the same joke or, you know, sometimes it just absolutely clicks. You know that from that first page. But usually, you know, you don't know. um, And by the end of the book, you know, you feel like you've been on a little journey with the book kind of like you've you know learned a a lot about a person and and been somewhere fun with them like you've been on a date um and then some dates are just bad um (laughs) and I thankfully um have not been on many bad dates myself but you know you finish with a book and you're just left like "Mm, don't call me I'll call you um and but just because a date went bad for me um, and I didn't click with a person, I might have a, a date that I didn't enjoy and think, oh, you are perfect for 
this friend of mine and set them up and they may, you know, have a really great date together. They may uh, be perfect for each other. So just because a book isn't the right fit for me does not mean that it is a bad book. Or And, I, and so I have no problem saying this was not a book I enjoyed. This is not right, the right book for me. But um, it's a, a great book for my mother or it's a great book for my aunt or my friend. Um, so I have definitely done that, given a book to my mother and said, I hated this. You will love it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's even worse when it's your mom or someone close to you like that. <laughs> Did that actually happen? Oh, yes. What was the Oh, book? yes. Man, what's the – now I'm blanking on it, the author. Um, you really enjoy her a long series of novels that take place in a small um, Canadian city. That would be Louise Penny. Yes, Louise Penny. Um, that is a perfect – I read two of them, and that is a perfect – example of what I'm talking about just not for me just I I read them and after I I finished it I was like all right I'm glad I read that and I'm glad it's done and I can read something more interesting Um, but I gave them to my mother and said you will absolutely love these and now she's a huge Louise Penny fan so even if I have a not great time with a book does not mean that it's a bad book or that someone I know won't love it. Okay. Now, Carly, our mission for today is to help you think about authors to add to your 2018 reading list, right? For your challenge? Yes, please. Okay. Well, with that in mind, are you ready to talk about your favorites? I am. Okay. Carly, you know how this works. You're going to tell me three books you love, one book you don't, and what you're reading now. And we will think about what you can read in 2018. Great. Can't wait. What's your first book? So my first book is a nonfiction uh, book that I read last year, which I put in my uh, biography list. Uh, It's called The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. Um, And I loved this book for a lot of different reasons. I love nonfiction books where I can learn a lot about a person they have fascinating biographical information. I can walk in someone else's shoes, but I also learn about other topics related to their life. So that period in history um, or their, you know, where they lived their life. In this case, um, so the book is about a woman uh, named Henrietta Lacks that some of her cells Uh, were taken in the 1950s and frozen and then used uh, the um, her cells were used in scientific research for decades Um, and without her knowing or without her family being um, reimbursed in any way for the fact that her cells have led to countless scientific breakthroughs in medicine and treatment and such. And so learning about genetic research, learning about all this um, scientific research and the medical um, advances that have been made, I love that part. My, uh, As I've said, my husband's a uh, uh, doctor. I am the pre-health professions advisor at a university, so I am the advisor for all of the pre-med and pre-nursing and other health profession uh, students. And so I 
I love learning about medicine as well. And it also followed, um, got into depth about Henrietta Lacks's family, especially her daughter, Deborah. Um, and so learning about Deborah's life and how it had been affected by her mother's cells um, being used in all of this research was really fascinating. Yeah, that's such an interesting book. And it's not easy to describe because it's such an incredible combination of story and science. And you could probably <laughs> slot that under eight different genres at the library. Yes, yes. And I love books like that. That, just... that aren't... So it's it's a complex story, which is one of the reasons that it's so hard to describe. So you really like things that are um, complex and interesting and new to you and bringing together topics you know in ways you don't expect? Yes, and that I can learn about lots of different topics in one book. That's fascinating to me. Love it. Okay, that is good to know. Something I'll mm -hmm. keep in mind. Mm -hmm. Okay, Carly, what's another book you're crazy about? So... When I was um, talking with my daughter, and I'm, I, I think I, I was actually giving her a bath when I got your email that I would be um, interviewed on the show, and I told her, you know, you know that podcast that mommy listens to where they talk about three books they love and they get suggestions for other books? I'm going to be on that podcast. And she said, oh, I can't wait to hear you talk about A Wrinkle in Time Aww. because I, we had recently read that and I kept talking about how much it's always been one of my favorite books and reading it out loud with her was just magical. Um, and it wasn't on my original list of three that I sent you, but when she said that, I was like, yeah, I really have to, it has to be a wrinkle in time. What, what um, did it unseat? Do you remember? Uh, it unseated, um, uh, Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula Le Guin, okay. which was one that I read as a teenager or young adult, I think a teenager. Um, and so they were both kind of science fiction-y. Yeah, um, I feel like those books could be friends. Yes, so do I. And so I didn't feel too bad switching it out. Okay. Uh, I still love Left Hand of Darkness. Um, but um, Ringle and Time, reading it out loud with my daughter, I, I'm just struck by what incredible author Madeline Lingle is. Uh, there were sentences that I would read them out loud to my daughter and then be like, wait a minute, back up. We have to repeat that sentence because it is worded so beautifully. Um, and yeah, my daughter really got into it as well. So I think everyone knows what uh, Wrinkle in Time is about. A, a teenage uh, girl, Meg, Meg Murray, who has to go on a big adventure to um, – save her family. Um, she has a younger brother, Charles Wallace, who's one of my favorite characters in literature. Um, and it's about family and uh, space and time and what it means to be brave and what it means to uh, do what you can for your family. And, and it's so good. Are you going to see the movie? So 
There are a few books that are so dear to me that I know in my head exactly what Meg Murray and uh, Charles Wallace and Calvin and all of them look like. And I don't want to mess with that. So I love the casting they did in the movie. I love that they made a movie out of it. But no, I will not see it. <laughs> That's, that is a really good reason. Yeah, I just, I love it too much to let someone else's vision of it mess with my vision of it. I hear you. Yeah. Carly, what's your final favorite? So my final favorite is Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. Zora Neale Hurston is one of my favorite authors. I, again, she wrote amazing novels, and she also wrote some really interesting nonfiction books. Um, the reason I love Their Eyes Were Watching God, I, I can put some of the books that I love in the category of novels that have such a strong sense of place and time that I really feel like I know the characters, that I've been where wherever the, the book is set, I feel like I've been there. Um, and I'm, I grew up in Texas. My husband's from Louisiana. We spent time in Birmingham. I love the South. And so the their eyes were watching God. I feel like I am... Um, you know, in the South during that period in time um, and just know all of these people. So Their Eyes Were Watching God is about a woman, Janie, who um, and talks about her life and um, she is over uh, the book married to um, three different men and so kind of talks about uh, the difficulties in all of these relationships. It talks about race and socioeconomic status and gender. And, um, but you're so definitely in the South and just feel like I know all of the characters in that book, like they were real people. Um, and there are lots of books, you know, that, is a kind of novel that I really love. And I could put lots of other books in that category. Um, definitely To Kill a Mockingbird as an obvious one. Uh, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Mm -hmm. I recently read that one. That's another one where, you know, felt like I was there. The Dry as well with all the descriptions of the heat and the how dry it was. And I felt like I was in Australia. Um, she has a new one coming out. Yes. Um, and it is on my, I think I've already added it to my want to read list on Goodreads. Have you been able to read it yet? I have. In fact, I don't know that I loved it quite as much as the dry, but it was definitely worth my time. Good to know. Carly. So if books are like dating, then that makes it easier to talk about books you're not so fond of, right? Yes. Okay. Well, it's a book that hasn't been for you. I'm not super sensitive about books on difficult uh, topics, um, but there are certain books that just are too realistic and too difficult for me to read. Um, and so The Kite Runner was one of those that my mom loved it. She had, had a, you know, I, 
really enjoyed it. And she gave it to me and said, you have to read it. And it sounds like a book I would really love. I love books about um, countries or periods in time or, uh, you know, groups of people that I don't know much about. And so learning about uh, the history of Afghanistan and, you know, a really moving novel on on paper, haha, it sounds like a great book for me. And by the end, I had tears streaming down my face. And I just, I remember calling her and being like, why did you give this to me? Um, because it, it was just too much for me. And I know um, there are some books and some movies that I just have to stay away from because they're going to have the same, I'm going to have the same reaction to them. I didn't make it all the way through The Kite Runner. I think I gave up about page 80 and it was for the same reason. Like I wasn't expecting what was happening to happen and it was just a little too much for me. And I wonder now if I could go back and and read it, but the fact that you made it through to the end and still felt devastated does concern me. Make me rethink my own plans. Yes. And again, I don't completely shy away from books that are difficult. I recently read Bear Town. And yeah. loved it, even though that touches really? on some. I would yes. never have recommended that to you based on what you just said. I know. But I love that book too and didn't put that down. So that's interesting. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't be so surprised. There was enough. You know what? I just realized, you know, there were enough good people in Beartown mm-hmm. that I, I kept reading to and to be honest about halfway through bear town i was like maybe maybe not mm-hmm. but i stuck through it because there there were those handful of characters that i just loved so much and you know i was happy um and i and wonder so, if it matters that in bear town you know from the very beginning that something terrible happens it, it doesn't possibly. blindside you on page 80 Mm-hmm. That's that's a big possibility, and I mean even Salt to the Sea, which I've you know was another one I enjoyed. There's you know some not happy endings there as well, and still really I could take it. But there are ones that are too extreme, like Kite Runner. That again, really good book. I'm so glad it was written. I'm so glad people read it. Just not for me. Okay. What are you reading right now? Are you reading anything besides Adichie or is it one month, one author? Uh, so I am just reading. I always have one, at least <laughs> one audio book and one hardcover book. Um, and sometimes a book that I'm reading with my daughter as well. But I have read other books this month. So I read Salt to the Sea and um, Killers of the Flower Moon as well this month um, and finished the Leonardo da Vinci uh, uh, biography uh, this month as well, but mostly just reading a DGA right now. Okay. All right. Carly, this is fun. I'm really excited about your 2018 challenge and I have some authors in mind. Yay. I'm so excited. (laughs) <laughs> Carly, of course I have questions for you. You listen to the show. <laughs> um, okay, so your lifetime favorite authors are all decades in the past. So you said Toni Morrison is a favorite. 
Zora Neale Hurston, John Steinbeck, Ray Bradbury. Now, Adichie is contemporary, and you're really enjoying her, but I Uh haven't heard a lot of contemporary names on your tongue, not compared to the classic ones. Is that coincidence because of what you're reading right now, or is that because that's a pattern in your reading life? Well, that's kind of the reason for my 2018 reading challenge is to have some more contemporary authors um, that I can say, you know, I have read everything or most of what this person's read and loved it all. Um, and so kind of looking for more contemporary favorites. Okay. So you're reading a DTA right now. Mm-hmm. King Solver may be on your list. Yes. Bill Bryson. I'm looking for authors that would play nicely with those, but not hit the same notes. Okay. What? And, and definitely keeping in mind that you love to learn about lots of different topics. Yes. What do you know about James McBride? I know the name. Okay. Okay. I McBride. like him for you. Let me see if I can make a case. So he is... I'd love to find a Texan for you. Mm-hmm. He's not a Texan. So he's a native New Yorker. Um, and he's also a musician. I think he started at Oberlin in Ohio, which is um, uh, legit. But what I like about him for you is he's a journalist. He's a really strong writer. Um, he's written about a wide variety of topics and yet he manages to have a body of work that doesn't at all feel scattered. So it seems like he, like you has um, different interests in a variety of places. And so he writes about the things he's interested in with a journalist's eye and a journalist's pen, like his writing style is really um, clearly well-crafted, carefully honed, but uh, he's written memoir. He's written nonfiction. He's written fiction So McBride is probably best known for a memoir. It's called The Color of Water. Might that be the one you know? So I just looked him up on Goodreads, and that one is on my want-to-read bookshelf on Goodreads, along with 500 other books. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're just focused on the one right now. Yes. So, So that's his first book, and it won all kinds of awards, like highly praised by the critics. Not that that necessarily matters, but we're, we're going to put that as like a check in the pro column right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the subtitle is something like a black man's tribute to his white mother. Um, his parents had an interracial marriage uh, back in the like 30s or 40s in America, which um, living now, it's almost, in, until I read something like that, it's difficult to fathom just how extremely difficult that was um, just to to live in that kind of family um, back then in that place and time. But he speaks so well in this book and so um, poignantly about both his own family and their place in the world. Um, It's just really, really um, beautiful. And I'm glad to hear it's on your list. So there he's writing from his own experience. Um, His most recent book just came out this past fall. It's called Five Carat Soul, and it's his first collection of short stories. And in between, he wrote The Good Lord Bird, which was a National Book Award winner. And I think it also won, do you know the tournament of books? Do you ever pay attention to that? On Goodreads? I think it won this. No, it's uh, The Morning News, I believe. Ah, no. It's fun. 
it's fun. I'm sure I'll be linking to it on Modern Mrs. Darcy when it rolls around again, but I think it won the tournament of books the year it came out. Um, it's a big novel and it, it covers American history. It has, um, just really big characters, the kind that seem larger than life. And, um, it's, a really interesting story. And then he's also written, and this is especially what makes me think that he and you may like be kindred spirits, is he wrote a, I think it was a biography of James Brown, because he is a musician, and that's a topic that fascinates him. So he wrote a book about it. And you may also know him um, from Song Yet Sung. His first novel was Miracle at St. Anna, set I know it has to do with World War II, but I don't think it's set during World War II, but it's uh, their flashbacks to World War II. And he has a body of work that could keep you busy. Uh, I don't think you'd be bored. And I think you would get to learn about things that are new to you and told in fascinating ways. What do you think? I am so excited. So I'm I looking hope you at... start with the color of water. Yes. Yes. Um, and I actually did have Five Carat Soul on my want-to-read bookshelf as well, but I haven't read anything by him. So that is a terrific – you're definitely on the right path. Okay. I am happy to hear it. Yes. Okay. For author number two, have you read any Jhumpa Lahiri? No. Uh, again, I those are books I have been meaning to read but have not – I think that sounds perfect for a challenge yes. like this. So Lahiri, again, really interesting background, really interesting career, um, really solid body of work that could keep you busy for a long time. She was born in London. She was brought up in uh, New England, I believe. She, uh, Her heritage is Bengali, and she has written all kinds of stuff. So she's probably best known for... Interpreter of Maladies, a short story collection, or The Namesake, a novel, uh, both of which are absolutely worth reading. So I would want to put on your 2018 list based on what you like, because they are so evocative. They have such a strong sense of time and place. You read about her characters and you think, oh, like they're thoroughly products of the place they're living. And they just seem so real. But she's also written really interesting works of nonfiction, like In Other Words came out two, two and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. Um I think this was her first work of nonfiction, but what she does is talk about what she learned by being a translator. Ooh. So you learn all these details about a profession that touches you as a reader, but that I really didn't know anything about. And she's writing about books and reading a world you're familiar with and are interested in. And she writes so well on the topic. And then she also has some really interesting uh, short books, or at least one really interesting short book in particular I'm thinking of. In 2016, she came out with this little tiny book called The Clothing of Books, which is a reflection on the art of the book jacket, which is something you have to be a serious book nerd to want to read. But if you are a serious book nerd, you'll be thinking like, where has this little tiny volume been all my life? 
I have definitely heard her name and been meaning to pick up her books, but the clothing of books was the only one of hers on my want to read bookshelf, which tells you something about me. No, um, no, 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 no. Oh, <laughs> I get what you're saying. Well, I like it. I like that that made it on there. I know Lahiri and I really love her work. And yet it wasn't until I Instagrammed taking the jackets off my books and then putting them back on that people said, oh my gosh, your books are naked. According to Shumpa <laughs> Lahiri, have you read the clothing of books? You have to right now. Um, and then to keep you busy for the rest of the month, um, Unaccustomed Earth is, uh, I was just discussing favorite books of a lifetime with a handful of women last week, and that made somebody's list. Uh, the Low Land is one I haven't read, but intend to because it gets heaps of praise. Mm-hmm. And then she has quite a collection, even after those best known books. Yes. To keep you busy. Oh. And she's not that old, but she's prolific. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, it's perfect. Perfect, perfect. Okay, I'm glad to hear it. And for for another author, I'm debating between an Anne and an Anna. Mm. Okay. Well, Anna Quinlan or Anne Patchett, do you have have you read everything by somebody? Do you have preconceived ideas? Have you been dying to read a lot? Have you already read a ton of one or the other? So tell me the first one again. I was thinking Anna. about Anna Quindlin or Anne Patchett. Quindlin. I have not heard of Anna Quindlin, Anne Patchett. I, man, I have had uh, Bell Canto on my bookshelf, like, been meaning to, okay, oh, I'm yeah. going to finish we're, we're this doing Patchett. Book. We're doing Patchett. Yeah. Okay. Would that be the first one that you intended to read by her? Yes, because I t- kid you not, it has moved from my bookshelf to my bedside table because as soon as I finish this book, I'm going to pick up Bel Canto. And then I'd get like another book that I'd requested would come into the library and I only have two weeks to read it and it get moved back to my bookshelf and then back. Yeah, so yeah. All right. Well, I hope, I hope this means that the time is now. Yes. So. Because I really think, based on what you like and the kind of stories that interest you, that she can make you really happy. So Bel Canto is one of my favorites and a terrific place to start. You must know something about it. So this is a novel based on a real-life hostage situation. And what Patchett does is she takes it and she plunks it into a unnamed South American country. There's a hostage standoff, and it happens on the night that a visiting opera company is there. Or you know what? It's not a company. It's a soprano. A world-renowned soprano is there to perform. One of my favorite details is that the president of the country is not taken hostage with the rest of his staff because um, his favorite soap opera is on on Tuesday nights, (laughs) and he's home watching it. But it's a really interesting story about um, Padgett said that she had a family saga come out uh, I think in 2016 called Commonwealth and she called it Belcanto without the costumes it's about <laughs> a group of strangers mostly stuck in a situation from which they have to find their way out and one is family and one is a hostage situation but she said basically the plot's the same which I thought was really funny but she's written um Novels that have rich, vivid characters that are set thoroughly in a certain time and place. So Belcanto is in this 
unnamed South American hostage standoff. Uh, State of Wonder is set in the Amazon jungle. Um, Commonwealth is about two families split by a divorce going back and forth between Virginia and Southern California. But she's also written a fair amount of different kinds of nonfiction. So this is the story of a happy marriage is a really wonderful essay collection. She's written um, a memoir called Truth and Beauty about uh, an important and really interesting for various reasons, um, really significant female friendship in her life. Uh, that's a hard book, but I think it's one you can make it through and it's really, really good. And she's also written some really wonderful things about books and reading because she is the owner of Parnassus books in Nashville. So maybe five years ago, Nashville found themselves without an independent bookstore and through a chain of events that she relays in a really wonderful piece in the Atlantic that we'll put in show notes. She ended up being the one to step up and partner with someone to bring a bookstore back to Nashville. So the piece is called The Bookstore Strikes Back. It's nonfiction, but it's the story of basically like how this town found itself without a bookstore and why that was not okay and how amazing books and reading is for the community and why it's so important and why she felt like she needed to be the one to do it and how bookstores are actually thriving. And it's like a love letter to bookstores. And it's the kind of thing that as a reader, I think you would enjoy reading. And also it would make your heart sing because of all the gushy things she says about bookstores. But the writing is good. It's not, it's not actually gushy or over the top. It makes you think like, Yes, I'm on the crusade with you, Ann Patchett. <laughs> and she also is quite prolific. She could keep you busy for a long time. Um, her first novel is The Patron Saint of Liars. Other ones you may have heard of are The Magician's Assistant and Run, Taft. So oh. other than Bel Canto, which one should I start with? Hmm. Oh, so many choices. Whichever one, whichever <laughs> well, one comes into the library first, right? Do you want to jump all over the the different genres, or do you want to stick to? Fi- okay, well here's here's what I think. So, Bel Canto is a good one to start with. I think it's a good introduction. Um, State of Wonder is also quite good. Although I have to tell you that an early podcast guest, I think, was Amy Johnson back episode 20 something maybe said that she loved the book right up till the very end. And then it made her want to hurl it across the room. <laughs> so that's a spoiler free discussion. If you want to go back and listen to it before you decide, but I remember that take one. Note. Yes. Um, I think, I mean, for essays, this is the story of a happy marriage is quite, quite good. I really enjoyed that. And then I think if you'd like to know about different, I mean, I know you like to learn, I really love. Do you read ebooks? Um, no, but I'm not opposed to the idea. So you could. Okay. The reason yes. I ask is because she has this short book. It's probably, I don't know, less than 50 pages. It's called mm. The Getaway Car. And the subtitle is something like a practical memoir about life and writing. But she tells the story about how she um, won a fellowship and how basically she tells the story about how her first novel, the patron saint of liars came to be and how she worked out her characters plot lines in her head while she was waiting tables at TGI Fridays and thinking back about the book. I have this image of her like locked up in like the gray windy weather on the coast, like swapping pages with one of her co fellowship attendees, like editing with pen on handwritten pages, which might be totally wrong, but she does 
paint the picture of what it took for her to write her first novel. And as someone who likes to read novels, it may be interesting to learn what that process often looks like. Love it. Sounds great. And that'll keep you busy for a while. Yes. Very busy. Okay. So how does that sound to you? The past. I, I love all of your suggestions. And I, you know, I kept thinking about when I was making my list for 2018, I need some novelists and I need some nonfiction writers. And I didn't even think about including those who had written both. And so I am so excited that you have three authors for me who have written both fiction and nonfiction because um, it's the best of both worlds. Well, I'm so glad to hear it. Okay, Carly. Awesome. I guess we've got a whole year in front of us, but yes. of those three authors, which one do you think you might come to next in 2018? It might be James McBride because I've been wanting to read uh, Color of Water for so long. Um, but then I already have Bel Canto, like, uh, you know, wouldn't have to go to the library for that one. So it's between those two, which... Probably is going to be Bel Canto. I'm going to go with What's Easy, and then um, you know, Ann Patchett has so many, such a wide variety of books that I will have lots of fun on my library website requesting them all. <laughs> well, I can't wait to hear how it goes and what you think. Thank you so much. It's going to be even more fun this year with all of these great suggestions. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. I'm really excited for you, and thanks for talking books with me today. Thank you. Hey, readers, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Carly today. Head to the podcast site to get the full list of titles we talked about in this episode. That page is at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 119. Please share your recommendations for Carly in the comment section there and let her know what you thought of my recommendations. Readers, we have another great episode coming your way next week. Here's a peek. I've just this past year started reading more sci-fi, which isn't typical of me at all. I don't like fantasy. I don't like sci-fi, but the sci-fi type dystopian, I don't know if that's an actual genre. <laughs> the the ones that I've read this past year have been so good. And I thought this is a new genre that I'd like to explore. I didn't realize sci-fi could be beautiful and touching. <laughs> so that's what really excited me this past year, um, finding these books that are like contemporary fiction, but they have that sci-fi bent. Listen in next Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts or on the podcast site at what should I read next podcast.com readers. One of the easiest ways you can support the authors and podcasters you love is to write a review. It's free. It's quick. It's easy, but it makes a big difference to us. If you enjoy this podcast, I would appreciate it so much. If you would review it on iTunes, your review makes it so much easier for book lovers to find our show. If you enjoyed my book, reading people, how seeing the world through the lens of personality changes everything. Would you take a minute and leave a review on a site like Barnes and Noble, Amazon, on or Goodreads. Your fellow readers rely on your reviews to decide what to read and listen to next. And that's why writing a quick review means so much to your favorite authors and podcasters. Thanks in advance for those ratings and reviews. I appreciate them so very much. If you're on Twitter, let me know there at Ann Bogle. That is Ann with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L. Tag us on Instagram to share what you are reading. You can find me there at Ann Bogle and at What Should I Read Next? Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone.